listening to episode 270 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we take a look at the first two episodes of the BBC science fiction drama Prime Evil. And how are you on this uh, fine Columbus Day? Is that what the holiday is today? This this say Columbus Day? Yeah, I guess. Uh, uh, no holiday I'm not, for you. Not Italian, so, uh, yeah, so I don't... Uh, not not a big holiday for me, and uh, I no longer teach the Catholic school, so we no longer get the day off, which is kind of okay with me, as he was a little, he was a little genocidal there. Well, but you got a day off whatever. on the horizon coming up in a couple of weeks, where you know sure. you can get together with your fellow teachers and and you know at the convention and talk about you know theories of teaching and academia yeah. and all that, or. We can maybe record a podcast when you don't go. But. Yeah, that's right. I do know people who actually go to that, though. Like, they have uh, friends of ours. They teach at the elementary school here, and she goes and just has like a girls' weekend with her uh, teacher friends every year. Right, which and is that's actually kind of a good idea. Well, yeah, and I have a couple friends that that do that as well, and and that's really the only reason. I went my very first year teaching when it was down at the civic center. And, you know, it was cool. You're a first-year teacher, and they're just giving you all this free stuff. And then you get home, right. and it's like, well, this is crap. This is crap. This is crap. I'm not, and then you realize, okay, that was a waste of my time and parking yeah. and all that. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. the first time I went, I was, you know, I was at a Catholic school, so I went to the Catholic school convention, downtown Baltimore. I still have a ton of textbooks I got from there. Usually, we, we use them to uh, prop up the uh, pumpkins at Halloween now, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I got a, I got a parking ticket though. Then I was so pissed. Like I parked at the light rail. I parked, there was no sign saying not to park there. There are other cars parked there and, uh, I got a ticket. So I actually went in to fight the ticket, <laughs> but, but whoever wrote the ticket, I guess didn't show up. So I got off. All right, cool. So, all right. Well, before we go any further and we're not going to talk about the weather. Okay. Not not today. Yeah, it's nothing. It's humid. Okay. There you go. Uh, so <laughs> Wayne and I want to remind you, love to hear from you. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Go to the website, leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab. Record your own audio clip if you want. Send us the MP3. Tweet us at sci-fi TV rewatch. And as always, we'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and get into the discussions there. All right. So I think we can agree, even though we haven't talked about it, that we have the same tip of the week. Watch Doctor Who. Yes, absolutely. It, it was. And, and this is a crazy week because there's, I mean, obviously we're talking about Doctor Who, but, you know, like Man in the High Castle, Walking Dead, and Doctor Who all like within a, a couple days of each other. So, yeah. And I'm sure there are a lot of people that are just taking off from work so they can binge i i just couldn't do that i mean it, w- it wouldn't be the work thing it just be I, I just don't have the attention span to binge that much in a short period of time but right back to the new doctor who obviously yes. everybody knows that we have our first female doctor played by jody whittaker she was freaking awesome she was great yeah we we also have three companions uh, what are you thinking about uh, I that? don't think they're calling them companions anymore. Well, we don't know what they're going to call them yet. I think they're called like the team or something I heard, uh, I believe. What is a co- but, companion? Uh, but yeah. I, is, is that politically incorrect now? I I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think they're just making such a like decisive break from the, the old show and from the Stephen Moffat years. That, you know, it's like showing on a different night. Um, you know, compl- you know, a woman doctor, uh, three people uh, tagging along rather than one. So, see that bothers me. If that's in fact what they're really trying to do, I mean, I, I get when somebody new takes over, you want to leave your stamp, your mark on things, and, and that's fine. But why not embrace the past? Because it certainly sounds like Jodie Whittaker is doing that. I mean, it's almost like, what, you think she can't hang with the other 12? Hell, yes, she can hang with them. I saw that yeah. in one episode. So right. yeah. I, I I hope that's not why they're doing it. I don't know. But the, the fact that- It just seems to me there's so many things that are changing all at once. It seems like, I, I guess, you know, I guess it's the, the Sunday night that's, 
that really makes me feel like like his why I, I actually I don't know when classic who I know it was a thing right I mean it's like a big event every time it's a Doctor Who show is like kind of a big deal in England so I don't know what day of the week it was on back then um, but you know it'd been on Saturday nights in the Russell T Davies Stephen Moffat era right yeah so yeah. like changing it to me is just like a you know I, I mean again maybe BBC made that but you know I don't know it just it just seems to me like a hey we're we're doing everything different even a different night you know yeah so I guess we'll see now uh, I will call them the team whatever but the fact <laughs> that one of them is older than we're yeah. used to yeah is pretty interesting and I and I I like the makeup of the team so far you, you know the um you know he's the step grandfather of i forget the kid's name ryan I believe. ryan and then the policewoman who was a childhood friend and classmate a of trainee ryan. i believe right a trainee so right she's in her second year but uh yeah so so i think it'll be pretty cool i'm i'm liking the fact that a Apparently, there's going to be no monster recycling in this season. No Cybermen, no Daleks. Yeah, they're, yeah they're see, present. but that's like... Well, that's you know, okay. Again, like... Yeah, but they're not saying uh, never, so... I know. Right. But, I mean, like, when has there been, like, a season without Daleks, you know? It's like, come on. Right. You know, they're, like, the go-to baddies. So, I get it. All right, fine, fine. I'll, you know, I'll let that go. Um, because it, it was great. The team was great. The actors are great. The... I love the dynamics between the the people that they have. Um, Jodie Whittaker, as you said, I, well put. She was freaking awesome. I had I, it's not, I didn't have my doubts before she started acting, but like her first scene, like on the train, I was like, you know, I don't know, I don't know. I, I couldn't put my finger on it. Why? I just wasn't quite getting into it. There was something about that, uh, and, and it's not that it was a woman playing. It was just like. You know, I, I think it's probably the same for every new doctor that I have. Like that first scene, I'm very judgmental about it. You know, I remember with uh, even um, with uh, um, uh, uh, Peter Capaldi is like Ray at first. I was like, oh, I don't know. And David Tennant, for sure. Like I was I was not enjoying David Tennant. At first, well, and then actually I was talking about with uh, one of our former colleagues, one of your former colleagues, my still my colleague at school, and um, and, and I started thinking about it. I'm like, you know, you know, like Tennant's first episode, he was asleep almost the whole episode, right? Yeah. And, you know, and, and things like that. So, um, but by the end, I was just like, oh, yeah, she's she's the doctor. She's, well, you know- she's definitely, you know, she's totally totally nailed it well you know it's funny because my wife and i were talking about this afterward and that she is really having a difficult time letting peter capaldi go i mean she really he's her favorite doctor and while she hasn't seen a ton of tenant she's seen more matt smith and i don't think she's seen uh any of uh eccleston eccleston so uh, she knows him from the leftovers, but right. you know, but but nothing else. But but it's like I, I was saying to her. I mean, for me, at the end of season one, it's like, whoa, wait a minute, I like Eccleston. It's yeah, like, who's who's this guy? But it didn't take me long to really like Tennant. And then when Matt Smith came along, it took me considerably longer to let go of Tennant and embrace yes. Matt Smith. But by the end, I I, I liked the darker doctor with matt smith and then when he left and capaldi came on i I really gravitated towards capaldi pretty quickly there was something about him and i think it's pretty evident i was digging jody whitaker even before the episode started and and that obviously comes from from broad church but if you haven't seen doctor who even if you're completely new to the series, just jump in now. This and is then, a great time. This is a great time to jump in the series. Right. And then know? go back and rewatch some of the episodes. Right. So Yeah, I th- you're, you're absolutely right, though. Like, each new Doctor, I, I am so judgmental, and I just can't get – it takes me a while. It took, like, like, you're absolutely right. Like, Tennant, it took me a while. I think part of it may have been he was just asleep for that whole first episode. But I had just – 
started that was my first like Christopher Eccleston was the first doctor I'd ever I'd never watched really classic who before so when I started watching Eccleston he was my first doctor and so yeah when Tennant took over I was just like ah come on who's this guy really you know and and so you're like a little pissed for a little bit but then of course once you know David Tennant is so many people's favorite doctor he was so great and so it's just really difficult for Matt Smith to step in there and again same thing like at first I'm like who's this guy where's my old doctor I like David Tennant I don't know about this guy but you know by the end you, you're loving it same thing hey, Capaldi he didn't grab me at first honestly you know I thought he was okay I was still kind of missing Matt Smith but certainly after a couple episodes he's in um, and I would say this is the one time that that transition hasn't been so antagonistic for me you know like Jody, by the end of of this episode i'm like jerry foster's my doctor now she's great i love it i you know i'm not sitting here pining for for capaldi i'm i'm all in on jerry whitaker i keep wanting to say jerry foster you, you did say jerry foster did i say jerry foster you did darn it that's okay uh, if she was British, she'd be a good doctor, but uh, I'm going to stick with Jodie Whittaker. Now, the one thing right. I will say is uh, I'm not real keen on her fashion choice there at the end. And as I said to my wife, as we were talking about that as well, and, and she's not a big fan of it either, uh, is that she still got so much male sensibility, probably, that yeah. I wonder whether she will change as the series goes on, because uh, my wife's reaction is she looks like Robin Williams and Mork and Mindy. <laughs> and yeah. And yeah, that's not a selling point for me, but I wonder whether it was a nod maybe to Tom Baker, uh-huh. you know, because he was, I mean, they're all colorful. I mean, when you think about, you know, Sylvester, well, McCoy's outfits. Like the, uh, didn't Colin Baker have the big question marks on his? Yes, yes, and the colorful scarf and all of that, but yeah. I don't know. So, well, let's leave it there because we're we're not here to talk about Doctor Who. We're here to talk about Primeval, but right. like we said, check it out if you haven't seen it. Absolutely. All right, so, so we're going to talk about Primeval, and you know, before we started recording, you know, you were saying it's six series, and I was saying, no, it's only five, but, but you're right. The sixth would have been Primeval New World, which right. uh, was more or less a mini-series, I guess. It was about five or six episodes, I can't I, remember. I th- yeah, I think it only went like six episodes. It's right. a shame because, you know, I, I liked it, <laughs> So, but, but you know. Yeah, it ran from 2007 to 2011, the, the five series. I'm not sure when New World came out. I don't. I think it was maybe more than a year after the last series, but I could be wrong. But we're going to look at episodes 101 and 102. They don't have specific titles for any in series one. And they're both clearly not up. expecting them to last very long. I well, guess. there are shows that do that. Not many these days, but uh, written yeah. by Adrian Rogers, the co-creator directed by Scylla Ware. He wrote both episodes we're going to talk about. She directed both. The first one aired February 10th, 2007. So basically, we're establishing the team, the premise of the show. And this first episode kind of sets the tone for the series, for better or for worse. Uh, I know I found myself thinking, did they really just do that? And (laughs) I think the one question, and Fred brings it up in his feedback, that that I have. And, and, you know, I've seen this. I think I mentioned this to you. Dude, I don't remember anything, not one detail. So, I mean, for me watching this, it is like it's new because I, I, I don't have a clue as to what's going to happen. When you said uh, about uh, one of the characters leaving the show, I didn't remember that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'll probably forget it after. Um, <clears throat> right. But the the idea of this becoming a monster of the week, and if that's the case, that's kind of a problem for me. Now, I hope it's not because they've got such a cool sub-premise going on with the anomaly or the portal or whatever we're going to call it and being yeah. able to, to go back into the past and, and all of that. So there's a lot going on in this show what created that tear uh, what's the deal with cutter's wife so you know th- they establish a lot of things right away 
Yeah, I mean, so far, so good. Yeah, so it had been a long time. So, like, I remembered the like I remember the characters pretty much, but as they introduced them, I couldn't quite remember their names. That's like, oh yeah, Connor and uh, yeah, Cutter and Abby. Yes, right, and and Lester, uh, who's like my my absolute favorite, uh, except for uh, well, what's it, uh, Claudia, who is by far my favorite character. But anyway. Uh, more on that later. Um, but uh, so I was like kind of remembering characters as they entered. But I, I yeah, like you, it had been so long that I'd seen the series. But, you know, like right away, I remember all the things like I loved about this series, namely the characters. Right. Um, and because I think we I don't know if we really have gotten it that much yet. Um, I think they did a decent job of characterization, but they had a lot of characters to introduce, in especially that the pilot. <clears throat> so I don't know if any one character really got uh, developed a ton. You know, I just I just kept remembering these these people and, and some of the things, and uh, you know, it, uh, it it really I, and like you know, I read Fred's uh, feedback, and uh, I, I I get at this point maybe it doesn't look that strong, but it really. You know, that mythology, like you said, there's so much they got, so much they can do. I mean, yeah, they've got this kind of monster of the week type thing going, but they've got time travel, right? And yeah. once you throw time travel into the mix, there's a lot you can do. Yes, absolutely. So, All right, well, the opening scene, we've got a dinosaur on the rampage in what appears to be the present day. And then we get this little caption eight years later and the knowledge that an entire field of study has grown up after this incident. And what I really didn't catch the first time through is that the woman being chased by the dinosaur, that's Cutter's wife, right? That's Helen Cutter, yep. Okay. And now, in retrospect, is she coming back to the present to chase the beasties back to their own time? I mean... I, I won't say. Okay, because so you actually I remember. remember. Okay, see, I I, I don't kind remember. of I so there's what I remember about Helen. I, I won't say because I don't want to spoil. Okay. All right, but but I mean, as somebody that doesn't remember anything, that seems to be the thing that makes the most sense. Of course, then there's the question: Well, why not make contact at least with your husband? Right. Why right. are you not doing that? So that's one of those questions that's out there that's related to the time travel to a certain extent. And we learned that the cutters, Helen and Nick were investigating in the forest of Dean when she disappeared. We now presume through the anomaly. I mean, is that what we're calling it? The anomaly? That, yeah. That's anomalous. okay. Yeah. Because at first I wasn't clear whether they were referring to the dinosaurs as anomalies or whether the portal so yeah no the, the portal they call anomaly so okay all right well we've mentioned professor nick cutter played by douglas henshaw who was in four episodes of outlander and a show that my wife and i tried another one of these british detective shows called shetland which it was okay but we, we didn't move on past the first episode but he's working at Central Metropolitan University studying the evolutionary anomalies. Now, I don't know whether that's a real school or just a made-up one for the show. It, but uh, It sounds very made-up. Right, but we're introduced to uh, Connor, who one of his students that doesn't actually attend the lectures comes to him <laughs> with a report of a beastie that he thinks is worth checking out, and the professor's uninterested until Connor brings up, uh, well, your wife wouldn't just dismiss it. Oh, and that gets his Ooh. attention pretty quickly. So, mm -hmm. uh, so it tells us several things. Number one, that his wife must be connected to these sorts of investigations on the one hand, and that this kid knows which buttons to push. Yeah, or he's not socially conscious enough to, or socially uh, groomed enough to, you know, not be awkward. Well, there's certainly yeah. enough evidence for that to be true. I'll yeah. give you that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but he but does. But is great. Like right away. I mean, he's like the one character. That is, he might be the most fleshed out character in these first two episodes. He's just a 
He's a riot, man. He's just like, he's the best. Well, I wonder what that dude's doing now. Um, you know, I did look him up. I'll, I'm not sure if I have it in my notes or not, but he, he mentions that this supposed sighting was in the forest of Dean, which was where Helen disappeared eight years earlier. So that also gets Cutter's attention. So the professor, Stephen, who we'll talk about in a few minutes, the tracker and Connor investigate and they see these huge claw marks on a trailer and other evidence, including eyewitnesses who claim it was fast, very fast. Mm-hmm. And this is, of course, where uh, Helen disappeared eight years earlier. So, uh, you know, also following up on a sighting at the time, I believe they say. So there's there's all these connections to the Forest of Dean, which is an awesome name, by the way. Yeah. All right. Now, you mentioned Claudia Brown perhaps being your favorite character. And, and you know, I, I really liked all the characters. I'm not sure if there's one that I like more than the other because they all have you know certain things that that are unique about them you know the case of the the government guy what the heck is his name now i forget already um uh james lester yes james lester i mean what i love about him is he at first seems to be the stereotypical government hack that's going to just stand in your way but that's not what he does it's like all right fine go ahead go through yeah, he's just like mostly annoyed at yes. like you know, like whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I like, was pre- I was prepared for alien invasion, but <laughs> but not dinosaurs. Right. So uh, so anyway, the, I, the the meeting between Cutter and Claudia at the Eddington Hotel was was pretty cool, where she just comes up and kisses him. Yeah, and you know, in in retrospect, was that just her way of? you know, meeting him. I mean, I think there were other ways she could have gotten away from the annoying guy sitting at next to her at the bar. I don't mind what she picked though. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so. all right. Well then we've got Abby Maitland played by Hannah spirit, who was in a show called the East enders, which I never really watched, but I would always see it on the PBS channel, but she was in seed of Chucky. Really? Yeah. I didn't know she had creds like that. Yeah. So (laughs) I've only seen the first Chucky movie, but Abby has her reptile program cut in a budget crunch. You know, there weren't a whole lot of memorable lines, but I'm a lizard girl, Tim, you know that. (laughs) And, (laughs) and, and, uh, you know, she's just, I don't know. I mean, she's uh, smart. She's willing to take risks. Uh, There's, there's not a lot I don't like about her. Um, right, and I think she's very like upfront. You know, like she doesn't; she's not pretentious or anything like that. Right. Um, you know, like in episode two, she's kind of running around in her underwear, and the fo- the door uh, bell rings, and she just goes and answers it in her underwear. <laughs> it's like, right. So she, she might, as well as Connor, have some issues with uh, how to interact with other human beings, but uh, but she's super cool. Well, right, and, and in this first episode, she's just received the news that essentially she's been fired. I mean, her, her job has been terminated, but she sees that file about a sighting and says, you know, I'll handle it. You know, so she makes that house call, finds that small unknown lizard that, that the kid found in the forest. And, and of course she's intrigued. So he takes her and, and Rex the lizard into the forest of Dean, where they see that dead cow up in a tree and, uh, uh, you know, that gets a lot of people's attention. Uh, How'd he get for, up in the tree? Yeah, well, I guess Yeah, the like from Doctor Who. His bicycle. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, I don't remember that, but... Okay. You were, he, he threw his... Uh, Ryan threw his bicycle off the cliff and he oh. was in the tree. Oh, right, and exactly. So, like, for when the, I can't remember the police officer, but when he meets the police officer and the doctor both are like, how'd your bike get up the tree? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right. So they're out there. Abby trips. The lizard takes off. But it's almost as if it's leading her somewhere. And that's when we, of course, see in here the big lizard. And I don't know about you, but I'm I'm wondering, all right, is the small lizard afraid of the big lizard as well? I mean, at this point, we don't know. But Ben, you know, the kid sees that tear in time and space. And he's the first one to poke his head through and knows 
I guess, instinctively knows from studying in school, whatever, that he's witness to a prehistoric scene. And that kind of sets the tone for where we're headed here. But the compass is going haywire. What would you think about the scene where, where Ben basically says, screw you, Abby, I'm running home. I'm not staying around where there's this big dinosaur. And then as soon as he pricks his finger on that bush, we know what's happening next, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, you know, Jurassic Park really kind of was one of the early, one of the first really big budget CGI films where the CGI just blew you away, looked uh, I'm not saying it all looked super realistic here, but I love the the dinosaur breathing on the window, um, kind of right out of Jurassic Park. And then it, it shoves its head in, and then it kind of loses me after that because it looked like, you know, like literally I figured there's a guy with a pole standing behind that, that dinosaur head there. Right. I mean, I know that most, wasn't the case. But. All right, but for the most part, the effects were, were pretty decent. I, yeah, I yeah, agree. Yeah, there yeah, there, there, there were pretty, some. That was, that was the only one that I was just like, nah. See, now my problem in that scene, we've already established that this dinosaur smashed its way through an iron fence, but it can't make its way through a a layer of drywall to get into Ben's bedroom. (laughs) Right. So, all right. Now, uh, we've mentioned Connor, the student, several times, and and Stephen, who his skill set revolves around the fact that he is an expert tracker. Being and a he, badass is what his, yeah, and being a badass. That—that's what his skill set is, right there. A, a good-looking badass, and so yes. the two—the two of them track the nasty dinosaur. You know, one of which, of course, finds its way into an elementary school. Yes, of course it does, and walks down the hall. Yeah. Uh, that, right. that again, that's one of the, my moments. Like, really, did they do that? But okay, I, yeah. Well, even the, even the obligatory. Kid trying to convince the teacher that there's a dinosaur outside. The teacher, well, like, right, and, and then teacher, don't open the door. And of course, the yeah. stupid teacher opens the door. But I, I'll give her credit; she did get it closed and locked in time. I'm wondering though, why it doesn't simply kill the now unconscious Stephen. So, I mean, it certainly seems to be carnivorous, and it certainly seems to be violent and aggressive. I mean, we're not talking about the herbivore that we uh meet later on so anyway all right so you know i i i would imagine that because the 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 creature is kind of on ben's trail maybe there's a taste of blood there so i i don't know if that's it or not okay it could be could be so but the rest of the episode the the group connects and comes together and i think fred maybe even mentions in his feedback that that all seemed to happen a little quickly i guess i would argue they know they've only got six episodes so you can't spend a lot of time uh, having them come together so i was okay there but abby meets the group when the little dinosaur rex leads her to the larger one which i mentioned the herbivore that's relatively docile and and so of course we're you know, doing the math here and we figure, okay, there's at least three at this point. Now, Claudia, the woman from the home office that has been, uh, I guess, assigned to keep an eye on what's going on here, calls it in. And and on the one hand, I guess she has to do that. But anytime the government gets involved, uh, it's usually not a good thing. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I, I loved when they went to Ben's house because they don't corroborate his story. So they pretty much leave him out there hanging, and you see the looks on their faces where they don't really want to lie, but they understand they have to. Right. Yeah. But the professor, of course, realizes that these animals have to be coming from somewhere, so the believability about Ben's story that, you know, hey, I poked my head through here and and saw the past starts to have some credence to it, and... Uh, you know. Now, the other thing, and, and that's how they, they find the portal in, in the first place, they follow that herbivore because it seems to be right. running from danger. I guess it's running from the, the, uh, the aggressive right. one. Yeah, but, we should probably, like, next time I should maybe take note of the actual dinosaurs' names and we talk about it. Well, yeah. 
but but you know I, the thing even in the second episode with the spiders or the uh, scorpions or whatever whatever they are uh, they all seem to know where the portal is so it's almost uh, so what's the deal are they like uh well you know what we're running out of food here in the past let's yeah come to 2007 and uh check it out and then we'll go back because again it seems to be nobody's hurting them back they they seem to go back so do they go back when they're threatened or do they go back after they've done whatever it is they've come to do yeah um you know i mean the spiders it it seems like the the former like they you know they leave when they shine the lights on them so maybe it's when they feel threatened but um it could be both i mean like i think you nailed it right there it's like what animal is not going to go to the place where there's more food right right of course i think realistically you'd think there's probably more food in the past than there there is in london or wherever whatever yeah but it's not is. that that succulent human meat you know well, just, that's true just right. uh just just fills up your mouth with flavor okay all right so you know everybody's been under the assumption that helen is dead and that fine now we know about the anomaly that's probably what happened to her Eh, still dead yeah Except i mean like who goes back to you know a super long ago prehistory and is able to survive in the time of the dinosaurs right i mean that's well, and that was one of the issues I had when Nick was ready to just go back. I'm going to look for my wife. I'm like, all right, dude, do you have any supplies? No. Pump the brakes here, buddy. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Think about it for a second. So, you know, and, and again, that was a little thing. And Ryan, this, the soldier assigned to him, calls his bluff. Well, that, well, that was when they were in, in the past and they were going to come back. But is she alive in the past? Well, you know, the, the information we have in the first two episodes would say, yes, she is alive and she is coming back and forth. Why she's doing it, why she hasn't alerted her husband to the fact that she's alive, we don't know. But the government is involved in this. The government knows what's going on. James Lester, as you said, reluctantly, it's almost like you're, you're bothering me. So just do what you need to do and just keep me out of it keep me informed as much as possible which i I like that kind of approach out of him now that the government has possession of rex we we do get that trope of the government ineptitude as they try Mm -hmm. to study him flies away what'd you think of the elevator scene i loved it (laughs) well it's just so like rex is like I mean, I don't think I'm like really spoiling much to say that Rex, his role in almost every episode is to like cause mayhem. You yeah. Know. Yeah. And, and I was not going to be surprised if he flew up and pushed one of the buttons on the elevator, but, right. uh, but he goes up, I guess that's the top floor. And I guess what gets established in this scene is that he has formed, albeit a brief one, a connection with Abby. And of course, later we see that she takes him home and is keeping her, uh, keeping Rex in her place. But already he trusts her, and yet you know you mentioned he's he's going to cause mayhem. And here it's almost like oh, I'm just going to play with you a little bit. I'll fly away and make you think I'm leaving, and then <coughs> nope, I'm going to come back. Right. right. I mentioned Captain Ryan. You know they send him back with Cutter as backup and. You know, they go through the portal. Connor discovers that the anomalies are getting weaker. And, and of course, you know, we, we know from shows like Stargate SG-1 that, you know, if the portal closes, you're pretty much screwed. Right. But, but right away, when he and Ryan get into the past and uh, as Cutter's out exploring, Ryan, you know, finds that little camp. And now we've got a lot of questions because Mm -hmm. if his wife accidentally went through, well, she certainly wasn't taking a bunch of supplies with her, 
Uh, now, of course, we know she's going back and forth, so that could explain maybe she came back and then took supplies and went back in the past. But who's the dead skeleton guy? Right. Right. Now, yeah. do you remember? I, I, I know you're not going to tell. but um, I don't. That I don't remember. Okay. Um, um, but, you know, what's, what's she doing with another dude would be my question if I were Nick Cutter. Well, and, and we find her camera – and then, again, I can't remember if it's this episode. Yeah, it's this episode. They develop the film, and they just seem to be photos of her set against a scenic background. So, of course, I'm thinking, like, all right, well, yeah, who established the camp? But who the hell took the pictures of her? Right. Because this is certainly pre-selfie day, and a camera like <laughs> that, that, you know, just holding it at arm's length, it's not going to take a photo like that. So who took those photos and, you know, who's responsible well, we, for that? we know camp? another dude was there because, you know, like his skeleton right. was there. Yeah. You know? Right. Like there so, weren't humans around then to make that skeleton. So it was definitely like some dude who was there with Helen. Right. And then we get to the epilogue and, and Cutter's alone in his office and he finds some live big snail thing on his desk. Here's something, runs outside, and he thinks he sees his wife, Helen. So, of course, at this point, we're wondering, all right, is he hallucinating her? Is, is, are the events of the day bringing everything rushing back? Or was that actually Helen? Right. Because we get the idea that that snail wasn't there mm-hmm. before. So right. I thought that was a great ending to the episode. Yeah, definitely. Because – and. You know, like kind of establishing that it's not a monster of a week, that there are, there's like this larger mythology at work in the background. And certainly there's this big mystery of what is Helen's story. You know, so there's just, uh, at this point, there's uh, a lot of ways they can go with it, you know? Yeah. All right. So episode 102, written again, as I said, Adrian Hodges, directed by Silla Ware aired a week later, February 17th, 2007. All right, for me, less good giant bug on a subway train that gets its leg cut off when a woman closes the window on it. (laughs) But, all right, whatever. There's some some definite, uh, you know, I mean, I I know loads of shows do it, but it's certainly, you know, we've seen Doctor Who start off just like that, like loads of times. In fact, we just saw it uh, Sunday afternoon, um, you know, like someone's on a train and creepy stuff just kind of gets onto it and everything. So, um, yeah, you know, like I, th- this episode th- does not light my fires, so to speak, as as like the others did. One of the little subheadings I've got in my notes: Cutter versus the government, and I I love as they're trying to figure out what to do about Ben and his teacher. And Lester just says, ah, pity the monster didn't eat them both. That would have been the neatest solution. (laughs) And he's totally serious. Yeah. That's what I love about the guy. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it sets up that conflict between Cutter and Lester. And I think at this point, Cutter doesn't realize how lucky he is to have Lester as his government liaison. I mean, I guess you could argue that Claudia is is really his... his, uh, Mm-hmm. immediate point of contact but as we've been saying lester's willing to just dude just go do it just i don't need to know or i do need to know just keep me informed right so um so, so, so yeah as, as we've said that's i mean the beauty of of that character um but of course you know nick being the complete academic and just being completely immersed in the science of this to have to make concessions to any kind of like, like you, you just get a feeling he likes kind of doing his own thing and, 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 you know, being on his own and it's definitely chafing under this, you know, this idea of having to answer to someone. Well, it's a bureaucracy and that's not something he wants to have to deal with. And I guess on the one hand, you could argue that, that something as momentous as this, and he points it out to uh, Lester bureaucracy is not what you want as you're exploring what might be the most significant scientific discovery ever like ever right 
Right. So we've got this uh, subway creature, and you know whether it's, it looks like a giant spider, and we, we see it eating a rat at one point, and again, one of those moments like, all right, did they really do that? All right, so, so the worker is down there, I guess, spraying rat poison or whatever. He sits down to eat his lunch. All right, now, first yeah. of all, all right, <laughs> there's no damn way he's not going to walk out and eat lunch above ground. Yeah, or take off the clothes you're wearing as you're spraying pesticide, dude. Wash your hands, maybe, face. Uh, drop the apple, pick it up, eat it anyway. Okay, right. whatever. He doesn't even wipe it off. Well, why would he wipe it off? He's got his pesticide-infested clothes on outside. That was, well, he, was, he deserved to get bitten. <laughs> for for being stupid. Yeah, but, they should just slap their red shirt on him and have done with it. Right. And and of course they go to investigate and immediately they want to shut down the subway tunnels. Lester agrees. Now now not all of them and, right. and Claudia points out just the you know ones in the vicinity, but again, it's not what we expect out of Lester, so that's cool. Right. I mean, again, he does kind of like the fine you know like it's like all right right except that you know special forces are going to go in first and that's fine that's the smart thing to do yeah and and it's a cool thing to do right and and i keep thinking like indiana jones spiders why does it have to be spiders yeah um i'm not a fan of snakes either i will say that (laughs) but uh (laughs) they've got to go in and see them for themselves and figure out what it is that they're dealing with. Now, Abby, Stephen, and Cutter go into the tunnel, and, and she makes it clear she's not into spiders, though um, I think we mentioned already that she's told, well, they're really closer to scorpions. Oh, mm-hmm. that's that's fine then. Yeah, all right, that's good. They've gone in terribly unprepared from a weapons standpoint. I understand they're scientists, but why doesn't Stephen have a gun? I mean... It just seems like they're going into this danger. I mean, for all they know, it's another aggressive dinosaur down there. I mean, I understand they they realize this guy was bitten by some kind of animal that injected venom in this guy, but still, it just that kind of thing bothers me that they go in there so ill prepared. Yeah, well, I but, think part of it is you know the the previous episode Nick kind of established like their mission statement is to is to put the dinosaurs back where they belong. So they're, they're trying not to kill them. You know? I understand. And then they get confronted by that giant red centipede and they start yeah. throwing boxes at it. Yeah. So well, it was not efficacious. Right. But the big takeaway here is that they discover another portal or is it the same portal that just moves? Right. I mean, we don't know that at this point. Don't tell me. You, just tell me whether or not we find that out. Or do you uh, yeah, yeah, because the anomalies like become like I mean the huge, huge like finding them is becomes like the huge part of the show and, you know, okay. and everything. So okay, so yeah, we do. We yeah, we you, that I, I feel like it's going to be answered pretty soon. Okay, like maybe so, even so- next episode. Okay, so the three of them are at, at danger. Cutter puts himself at risk so Abby and Stephen can get away. And I was, on the one hand, surprised that Stephen so readily took Abby and left. But on the other hand, I was glad he did it because that was the smart thing to do. I mean, um, Cutter is uh, a competent individual, and, and I guess Stephen's worked with him enough to know that, all right, the guy knows what he's doing, that fine. And that's the point, though, he thinks he sees someone else and we're not sure whether it's Helen or not, but that's certainly what he's thinking at this point. Yeah, well, now, at this point, we're also thinking, like, maybe, you know, like, because, like, as you said before, we weren't sure whether Nick was, like, hallucinating or whatever. Uh, we're starting to get a feeling now that Helen is uh, about and, and around, and it's really her. She's still alive and traveling between the modern world and and the past right now let me jump to abby and connor for a second because the the things we want to talk about here are going to be important as we you know finish up what what's going on uh, as a result of what's in the tunnels but connor just can't keep his damn mouth shut 
and tells right. his friends, who of course don't believe him. Yeah, but he finds I was like lead. really these guys you're trying to impress, Connor. Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, they're they're his people, dude. Yeah, uh, true. But he gets Abby to go with him to check it out, and we of course know from the first episode that he's got a crush on her. So of course she answers the door in her underwear, and after a brief. <laughs> scene of her dancing and again i'm thinking no pun intended right, gratuitous yeah gratuitous uh underwear scene yeah however i guess we can explain it that she's got the heat turned up so high in her apartment for rex that that made sense for her to wear you, you buying that uh no okay i mean i, I buy it as that's like a you know, a good like reason uh, narratively to have one of your attractive leads running around in their kit. So, right. you know, yeah, I get it. So, but uh, after he, you know, gets over the uh, shock of seeing her like that and, and she's running upstairs to put some pants on his selling point, And it does make sense that this is a chance for the two of them to prove their worth to Cutter because he has to sense as does she. I mean, she just got let go from her job. The both of them right. have to sense that, all right, Stephen and Cutter are already a team. If mm-hmm. we want to be part of this, we, you know, they're pretty serious. We need to, yeah, uh, you need know, to show them weight. that we belong. So, so it does make sense. Now, what doesn't make sense is that they go out, set up camp. She's prepared. She's got her one-person tent. Oh, we could huddle for warmth. Nice try, dude. <laughs> or not. <laughs> or not. He gets shot down. And then, of yeah. course, can I ask you a personal question? And I felt bad for the guy. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, does Stephen ever mention me? <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then Connor, uh, you got to love the guy. Well, <laughs> you know what? I've never seen him with a woman. <laughs> of course, he's really never seen Stephen outside of these incidents, right, probably. Right, right. Uh, implies that he could be gay. Apparently he's not, but we don't know right. that at this point. So the two of them are bonding. Cutter and Claudia are, are bonding when Stephen comes in with news of the uh, Connor Abbey fiasco in New Forest. And I like the scene. They wake up in the middle of the night to the sound and sight of a monster, but it turns out to be yeah. an animatronic version that his two geek buddies set up. Which and, it's and just the, like... Like what? <laughs> you know? Well, but but it allows Cutter to yeah know yeah. that you know I just had to tell somebody. It's like no, you didn't. Yeah, dude. you definitely did not. Like right, and Abby realizes the enormity of her mistake and and owns up to it immediately. And Cutter says, "Yeah, well, it was his idea. He's gone. You still have value. You stay." Well, and, and Connor's gone because he blabbed and Abby didn't. Right. 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 So. All right. Now, um, you know, since they don't really know what they're dealing with down in the tunnels, uh, Stephen suggests that Connor might have something in his database. And this is basically what brings him back to the team. I guess you could nitpick that. Well, geez, he got back on the scene awfully darn quickly with his laptop and all of that. But. Uh, okay, we've only got six episodes, so we right, right. Um, gotta, so that's okay. Gotta move quick. But uh, again, that that whole idea of working through the red tape, not letting bureaucracy get in your way. You know, okay, fine, Cutter kicked them off the team, but we need them. Bring them back, and we'll sort it out later. When when Stephen goes in to find Cutter, at least he takes a weapon of sorts, which I guess it's some sort of acetylene torch, or I don't know, some kind of flamethrower thingy <laughs> whatever so at least he's got something when he goes down there but he gets bitten and then the whole question at the end of the episode does steven really see helen conventional wisdom says even in his delirium yes he did right and his message to cutter that she says you got to come through if you want to know the truth yes probably wow. really happened yeah, yeah, we definitely, well, again, um, in isolation, if that were the only time, we might question it more, but, 
we've seen her a couple times now, or you know, at least thought we've seen her. So it's pretty clear that she's still alive. Right. So, you know, they rescue Cutter and and he gets the venom. And that was kind of a slick way to get the centipede to bite him. I'm thinking like, all right, now how's this going to work? And then he rolls up his sleeve and he's got this little collecting device for the venom. I'm like, okay, it probably is not a thing, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay with it. And, And then we get that final scene where Abby is at Steven's bedside. And of course, they were having a moment in the ambulance, which he now conveniently has no memory of so now she's not sure well i'm digging him Uh, i thought he was digging me so now we don't know but you know that's fine that's that's fine but yeah well there's there's a lot of shipping going on like right away like right out of the gate you know well there is and and i guess on the one hand these are young people and i always argue that now, granted, this, these people just met, but I always argue with, with shows where you've got two attractive leads that work with each other on a daily basis. You know, why wouldn't they? They clearly like right. each other. So, you know, it, it is what it is. And then we get to the epilogue here, and Cutter's sitting there staring at the new portal when Connor comes in to verify that he's back on the team and... uh we're wondering at this point, does it lead to the same time in the past or a different one? Right. So. Right. Well, I, I think we've got confirmation different, right? Because the spider insect things were for much, much earlier than the dinosaurs that came through in episode one. Is each portal going to lead to a different time? Huh? That'd be cool. That'd yeah. be cool. So. Right, anything else you want to mention that that we haven't brought up so far? No, no. Is uh, you know, again, I, I think uh, especially the, the pilot did a pretty good job of establishing the world. You know, because like especially this show like this, you're basically world building, right? Um, yes. So I think they did a pretty good job of that. Uh, as I said before, it wasn't you know super crazy about episode two, but it still did a lot to advance the story. And the mythology that's going on here. So, and to kind of elaborate on the mystery of Helen Cutter. So, um, yeah. Okay. Strong start, now, I think. All right. Now, before you give your grade, I just want to mention that if you've been listening to our dark podcasts, uh, you may have noticed that we didn't really give our letter grades during the episode and to be honest in many cases we, i think we just forgot we got so wrapped up in the discussion right, right, right. but but yeah i mean after i was putting them on the website each time i thought well that was an a that was an a and and i, I gave an a plus to the finale but here i'm going to give one letter grade that covers both episodes and i'm just going to go with a solid oh, okay. b, b. Well, yeah I, yeah that's that's where i would land because i was thinking a minus well, no, no, because I was thinking A minus for the first one, B minus for the second one. So that, that averages out at the B, right? Yeah. More or less. Okay. So, yeah, we'll call, we'll call it a B for both of them. Okay. All right, B well, Fred, all right. Now, Fred checked in with us on Primeval, so let's hear what he had to say about this show. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with feedback for Primeval or Primeval or how do you actually pronounce it? Season 1, Episode 1 and 2. It was so nice that the both of you acted on my suggestion for doing a podcast about the pilot of the fan-produced series Star Trek Continues. Although Wayne announced he would rip it apart. Fortunately, he didn't. But when I saw the trailer of this series, I also thought, I'm going to rip it apart. Well, I won't either. First off... How the heck did you choose this series? Has that anything to do with the fact that Saiva UK is going to do a rerun from October the 15th onward? This series must have some cult status, getting an on social media widely announced rerun on Saiva UK. There is also a special fan website called the Primeval Site, which had its 50,000th subscriber last August. 
I had never heard of this series, though. On first impression, it gave me a kind of Buffy the Vampire feeling. Quite cheesy, especially the second episode with those oversized insects. And I wrote this first impression down after watching episode 1, not knowing there would be a reference to Buffy in the second episode, when Connor says about fancying people. Yeah, with Buffy, the vampire slayer, he also had an experience like that. I mean, she is a fictional character, but you know when it feels real. I only had a low-resolution version available, which probably uh, contributed to an extra end-of-the-90s feeling instead of 2007. I really wondered if the makers wanted to give it an older look and feel on purpose. The first episode was okay, but as a pilot I really wondered if I would have picked it up. There were quite some hand-wave moments in it. I especially disliked uh, the speed in which the team was formed. Connor and Abby getting together with Stephen and Cutter, as well as working with Claudia Brown of the home office. The time portal was quite uh, cheesy, not even 70s-like, more 60s-like. Strange, because the animation of Rex wasn't that bad at all. Funny was that Abby had called her two lizards Brad and Angelina, and was waiting for them uh, to mate. She said something like, maybe... They don't fancy each other. Well, the real Brad and Angelina have their problems these days. But not in 2007, as far as we know. Funny thing is that I use the Angelina story regularly in my lectures about the hereditary form of breast and ovarian cancer. There is even a so-called Angelina effect. And that is not just what happens when men watch her. When she, in 2013, announced publicly that she had a breast tissue removing operation because she proved to be a carrier of a mutation in the so-called BRCA1 or BRCA1 gene with an 80% chance of getting breast cancer, a lot of women made an appointment at genetics clinics in the US as well as here in the Netherlands. The so-called Angelina effect is that most of these women... 85% had a proper indication to do so and could have made an appointment much earlier actually. So in my opinion, Angelina did something very good and brave there. So this didn't result in overreaction of all kinds of women and got the ones that had a good reason but were too afraid to come into our outpatient clinics. (laughs) Funny fact is that one of my students sent me after a lecture a picture with some graffiti text. If Brett and Angelina can't make it, how are we supposed to? I thought it was a little sad. Okay, about the second episode. This episode was too much of a monster of the week for me. I really wonder if they are going to open a portal to a different time period every week. Well, we will see. Nice quote from this episode... Abby to Stephen, I can help. I I just finished a study in insect behavior. Stephen, is that true, Abby? Uh, Kind of. To tell you the truth, spiders aren't really my thing, Stephen. To tell you the truth, spiders aren't really my thing. Yeah, well, technically, these are probably scorpions, Abby. I feel better already. Okay, is this series that intriguing that I will continue watching? Well, enough to tag along with your season 1 podcast project. Although perhaps I will have some difficulties of getting out my uh, next feedback. On October the 11th I will travel to the good old USA for a genetics conference in San Diego. On my way I will stop for 3 days in Minneapolis to attend to Urpapalooza a Winona Earp fan convention. Not that I am the most crazy Winona fan, but it was just because this convention was organized nicely the two days before my genetics conferences, and I had to transfer in Atlanta or Minneapolis anyhow. Including the flights, um, I will be away from home for 11 days. Does anyone have a really big slipper? Greetings. All the best. Fred from the Netherlands. All right, so how the heck did we choose this series? Do you want to handle that one? Um, I liked it. 
Okay. <laughs> and it was my turn. <laughs> well, there you go. All so right, I now, said, let's do Primeval. No, no. I, so, I mean, I, so, so when, when I, I first discovered, quote unquote, uh, Primeval, it was on Netflix. I don't even know if it's on. It's not on Netflix. Yeah, because we're watching it on Amazon, right? Right. Um, so it used to be on Netflix, and it was, you know, before Netflix did a lot of their own shows. So they actually, when you like would pop up, it was, it kept popping up basically in suggested uh, things for me to watch. And so I, I just started watching it and, uh, you know, I got into it and I think it actually the last maybe two seasons, I actually probably watched them as they were actually happening. Um, same thing with new world. You know, I watch that. So it's just like uh, the things that I'm, they're starting to come back to me about where the show went. It's it's incredible where it goes. Like it's really uh, turned into a very mind tripping type, uh, mind bending, uh, trippy type show. Well, so. you know, like I said, I don't remember anything, but I do remember that I watched it, and I don't remember how I discovered it. So it's very possible that you turned me on to it. And I don't know if I was watching them while I was grading 11 reg essays and my mind went numb. That's why I don't remember anything. But I did watch New World live. I I do know that. So, all right. Now, Fred brings up the monster cheesiness. And, you know, I, I think a broad perspective, I think they did a pretty good job. You know, you mentioned the the scene in Ben's bedroom. Yeah, okay, that was a little cheesy. But, uh, you know, for the most part, I thought they were done pretty well, especially that giant centipede. That that looked pretty real. The Buffy reference, hey, gotta love that. Now, I'm okay with the anomaly, a.k.a. the portal. Uh, as I said, it sort of reminds me a little bit of SG-1. Um, so, I, you know, I'm okay with that. I mean, I, I don't know what else they could do um you know for a tear in time and space you know i'm trying yeah, to remember right. other shows that that have and, something and, along those lines right and, and that image of the the anomaly really um you even see it in the opening credits you know like it kind of appears all over the place uh, i think it kind of became like the thing for the show right uh, now, we've mentioned, you know, a little bit of shipping going on already, and, and certainly for me, the Abby Connor is my favorite pairing, and it's not because I'm shipping them, but because we know early on that she fancies Stephen, and Connor crushes Abby. So, you know, I like that dynamic that's going on because everybody seems so nice on the team. You can't really see anything bad happening or, you know, anybody doing anything downright evil. So... Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. And then, you know, Fred mentions he's coming over to the States. So I hope you have a great time in Minneapolis and Fred, I hope you have a better experience in the Atlanta airport than I had, because as I've said many times on here, I will, I know I'll say I'll never fly again. I mean, never's a long time, but, uh, my experience in the Atlanta airport, uh, was, was pretty horrendous and I'll just leave it at that. I didn't get arrested or anything like that. It wasn't. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I've never, never this, flown Fred. to uh, uh, Atlanta, but so. Yeah, I'll just say this, Fred. Make sure you have plenty of warm clothing if you're going to be in the Atlanta airport for any length of time. So, yes, I know it's in Atlanta, which is in the south. So, right. I was going to say all right. but, uh, but Minneapolis anyway, is, is awesome. And, uh, you know, the Mall of America is there, too. You got to check that out. And, yeah. And as Fred said, he's coming to see a Winona Earp convention. So I'm sure he'll have an awesome time with all the other Earpers. But uh, that's all I've got. Anything last minute? Okay. I think I'm good. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. We want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Primeval, Dark, Travelers, which is on the horizon. Anything else in genre TV? Encourage you to join the Facebook group. If you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails can go through the speak pipe tab on the website. And we'll be back next week to take a look at episodes three and four of the BBC series Prime Evil. But until then. You know, Dave, I know where the sacred relic is. 
I've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. 